Welcome to the podcast of Celebration Christian Church located in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. I am Pastor Jonathan Autry, and we will strive each week to bring you the fundamental principles of what the Bible says on how you can truly live and lead a Christian life. Everyone has their own opinion of how we should live, but the question is, what does the Bible say? It is only through His Word that we can truly find the answers. So open your mind, open your heart, and let God guide you through His Word. In the name of Jesus, let us praise the Lord. Amen. We're starting a series this morning. I want to say right off the bat, uh, I'm never the type of person that will take someone else's material or someone else's sermon and claim it as my own. The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. But I will tell you this. Today's sermon is pretty much a copy of a pastor in California's sermon. I'm going to tell you his name and everything so if you want to go back and listen to this sermon, I would encourage you to because I'm always that person that wants to share what God has put on my heart and what God has challenged me with because I feel that it's relevant for us all. Amen. So this morning's sermon is really coming from a pastor friend of mine from Sun Valley Church in California. His name is Chad Moore. So if you want to look him up and everything, he's a great pastor, has a great church. They have six campuses, they have over 50,000 members, and they're doing an amazing job out in California, and he's just so practical. And if you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to look to the book of Numbers, chapter 13, and the series that we're going to be starting right now for the next three or four weeks is kicking off with his sermon, but we will be adding our own information. Uh, It's called Proper Perspective. Proper Perspective. Perspective. We're going to be talking about how your perspective in this new year can literally set the tone for the rest of the year. And I know we've always, we've all been in those churches where they talk about the new year and making new resolutions and stuff. But I want to get to the foundation of where we fail, where we fail with our new year's resolutions. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have made a New Year resolution and didn't fulfill it in the year? I'll raise my hand. I've done it many times. I can't tell you how many times when I weighed 300 plus pounds, I made a New Year, New Year resolution to eat right and exercise. Never did it. I mean, it worked for about the first month, but then after that, Cake was more important than diet. Amen? So I understand. I get it. And from the top, I'll say that proper perspective can help you. Here's something that he said that I found amazing, and I hope it means something to you. And if you write notes, I would ask you to write this down. How do you choose to see things? Now think about that for a second. How do you choose to see things? I know a lot of people that take life in different ways. Watch me fall, guys. And the different ways that people see things, there's basically two types of people. And we've all heard this. There's the glass half full and the glass half empty. Some of you ladies are like nodding your head like this because you're married to the glass half empty guy. I understand. I get it. All right. I try as hard as I can to be the glass half full. And not to judge any of you glass half empty people, but to me, it's always going to be half full because I am too overflowing with appreciation 
for everything I have to see the glass half empty. I'm always going to see the better side of things and understand I'm blessed way beyond what I am. I deserve that God has been way too good for me. He's good all the time. So I try to concentrate and have that just basically positive attitude all the time. But how do you choose to see, see things? Listen to this. Perspective will lead you to thoughts. Your thoughts will lead you to actions. Your actions will lead you to habits. Your habits will lead you to character. And your character will ultimately lead, lead, you, lead you to your destiny. That's how it works. But it all starts with perspective. How you decide to wake up in the morning and confront the day and see the day. That's why a lot of people choose to read their Bible and pray first thing in the morning. The Bible even says it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not that person. I think God will forgive me for that. Because I just, I've tried to read. I've tried to do that devotion in the morning, first thing in the morning. And honestly, it just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. It's like I'm reading and it's like going one ear in one ear and out the other because I'm just not, I'm not mentally prepared for it. I have to get my body going. I'm more of a read and do my devotion in the afternoon guy because that's why I'm best prepared. I did terrible in school with math because for some reason, math was always first block because our teachers thought their minds are the freshest that first hour. No, it's not. My mind doesn't get going until I've eaten something and my body has physically moved around a little bit. Everyone's different and I get that. But this is for everyone. Your perspective, how you decide to look at things will set the tone for everything else. And if you're negative and if you are going to look at the negative side and everything, it's going to, it's going to overfill in your thoughts. It's going to lead you to actions, habits, and a character that will ultimately take you to a destiny that is a negative one. So Numbers chapter 13, I want to read from verses 27 to 33. I think I'm reading this morning from the modern English version. I love the modern English version. It is from the Texas Receptus, which is the best version of the Bible, of the original text we have. And it's translated into modern English for to you today. But I know some of you use different, different uh, translations. So whatever you're reading from this morning, I'll read. It says, they reported to him and said, we came to the land where you sent us. And surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. However, the people are strong that dwell in the land and the cities are fortified and very great. And also we saw the children of Anak there and the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and a bunch of ites, right? And the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell in the sea and at the edge of the Jordan. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, let us go up and once at once and possess it for we are able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we are not going to be able to go up against these people because they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in, in it are men of giant stature. And there we saw the giants of the same as the sons of Anak, which were from which come from the giants. <clears throat> and in our eyes, we were like grasshoppers. And so we were in their eyes. 
The children of Israel have been liberated and have witnessed God's presence and miracles in many ways. Signs and wonders. Being led to the promised land was just part of the promise that God had given them. Once they come to this promised land and they've been traveling for so long and finally get there, they send 12 spies in to compass the land, to check it out, to see what, what it looks like. And it was everything that God had promised to them. It wasn't short of anything but an amazing place. We live in an amazing place. One of the phrases I love to say is, I live where you vacation. I live where you vacation. Now, for us that live here, it's not necessarily that vacation perfect place. But man, is it beautiful. And it has its ups and downs. And it's not, but the, you know what? The children of Israel, when they got there, said, this is everything he said and so much more. They couldn't understand how amazing it was. But you know, we see two, ten spies that saw the land with eyes of fear and two spies that saw the land with eyes of faith. Which one are you? How are you seeing life right now? Are you looking at life with eyes of fear? Or are you looking at life with eyes of faith? The 10 spies that decided to see the land with eyes of fear swayed the whole nation. And the two that saw it with faith weren't able to have any influence on the rest. This, you know, this story just resonates so much with the world we live in today. We're not going to get into politics. We're not going to go into this or that or what happened in the last couple of years. But at the end of the day, we have an enormous amount of information that comes in. No one has ever had as much information as we have today. You cannot get away from the information, whether it be by TV, whether it be by cell phone, text messages. You're completely surrounded and hounded with news, with what's going on. Everyone is trying to keep everyone up to date on everything at the same time. And with all this information, there's something that we do understand no matter where you stand in the information. There's conflict. No one's on the same page. Everyone's thinking different ways. Everyone has their own way of thinking about things. And, and you know, to a certain degree, I respect everyone's right to think the, one, the way they want to think. But I also say I have the right to think the way I think, and no one has the right to infringe on the way I think. At the end of the day, I'm responsible for Jonathan Autry, Mariah, Adeline, JJ, and my wife, Janine, even though she has her own thoughts that are way different than mine sometimes. I'm, I'm responsible for my family. I'm responsible for myself. And there's certain decisions I'm going to make for me and my family that no one's going to agree with. But that's none of your business. <laughs> that's between me and God and what God's calling me to do and how I feel. And I say the same to you. But we have so much information coming in, and it's on both sides. What can we believe? See, the first point this morning that I want to make is, number one, we get stressed out by conflicting information. Isn't this true? Conflicting information stresses us out. You know, I, I used to work in the Capitol. I was a school administrator. And while I was a school administrator, we had about 40 employees out there, maybe more. And sometimes we would have problems at school. And I would have teachers, not students, but teachers. 
And the reports I would get back about the problems were at many times conflicting to the point where I'm like, who do I believe? Oh, what, what exactly happened? I'm, I'm at the point where I'm actually pulling students in one by one into my office to say, what happened? Just because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And when you have these conflicting information, when you have it, it stresses you out. Many times you must make monumental decisions based on conflicting information. That's what pastors and politicians and different people of leadership had to do in the last two or three years. They're making these decisions based on conflicting information. And it has affected many people, maybe positively, maybe negatively. I think it in our world has conflicted us in a more negative way than in a positive way. Because no other time than now are we more insecure with the information that we get than now. So we need to understand that conflicting information will be part of our lives. Numbers chapter 20, uh, chapter 13, verse 27 said, they reported to him and said, we came to the land where you sent us and surely it fl flows with milk and honey. I love this part of the verse. It says, and this is the fruit of it. I could just picture the spies coming back. They didn't come back empty handed. They actually had fruit and stuff with them. He's like, look, this is what you found. Can you believe the size of this cantaloupe? This is amazing. This is what they got over there. This is like, it's crazy how things grow over there. I love, I love to grow things. If you go to my house, I have banana, plantain trees. I have avocados, mangoes, you name it, I've got it. If I can grow it, it's in my yard. And one thing that actually grows the best in my yard is something that I've never planted. See, I take all of our cuttings, you know, cucumber peel, pineapple peel, whatever we didn't use, eggshells, whatever, and I throw it on my plants and just let it turn into natural fertilizer. And one of the things that I often throw out there that yields the most fruit is my uh, calabasa, my, my, my squash. It's a Spanish squash. It's, they call it, I think some people in the States call it pumpkin squash. And it just grows like crazy as volunteers. And sometimes the gardener will come in and he's got one so big, he has to bring it in with two hands. I'm like, oh, man, I've never planted that thing. But I love it. I love it. I love it. And I could just see these spies coming in with these big fruits or big vegetables, showing them the report of the land that they've surveyed. But verse 28 is where you see the biggest problem that we have as people. Verse 28 says, however, depending on what translation you're reading from, some of them says, but, but, buts get in the way of a lot of things in our life. The buts of life, it's okay if you laugh, get in the way of a lot of great stuff. Because it's the word that keeps us from experiencing what God really has for us. However, but the people are strong that dwell in the land and the cities are fortified in the, and they're very great. And also we saw the children of Anak there. Negativity will discourage you into holding back from what you need to reach out from. What you need to reach out for. When that negativity comes into your mind and when you think about the buts, the howevers, and the ifs, 
all it does is retract you from the blessings and the victories that can be. And I get it. We want to be conservative. We want to be careful. We don't want to be overzealous. We don't want to fail. If anyone's afraid of failure, it's me. But also, I believe I have tremendous faith and that when God notions you to something, when God moves you to something, it would only be a curse not to listen, not to move. I believe that he's entrusted us with so much that it would be irresponsible for us not to respond in a faithful manner. Number two, we develop a scarcity mentality. Um, December of whenever it was. Let's just say 2020. I don't know when it was. It was when in the U.S. we just started hearing about COVID. You know, oh, this stuff is not only over in China now, it's over here. A few short months later, things start shutting down. Things start tightening up. And my mission board reaches out to me at the end of February and says, you're being called to come home. Now, I've already heard and seen the reports on TV that you guys in the States didn't even have toilet paper in your stores. And here I am going to Nacional, and there's nothing missing. It's, 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 it's crazy because when I'm getting on a plane, before I go to the plane, I had to go to our Dominican supermarket just to make sure I'd have toilet paper when I got to the States. Get to the grocery store, Walmart, the next day, if I found two or three packs of ground beef, I was lucky. There was nothing there. There was, I brought alcohol from the Dominican Republic, rubbing alcohol, not the other alcohol, okay? <laughs> I found rubbing alcohol. I had to bring it from the States. And then we were literally almost tipping the people from the Dollar Tree store to notify us when the shipment of alcohol was coming in so that my mom could go in, my wife could go in, I could go in, my dad could go in and buy two bottles each because that was the limit per person. We had a big family. We were going through alcohol like this because we were using it on everything. I think we were washing our clothes with it. No. Conflicting information. It threw us into the scarcity mentality where we thought that there wasn't enough, where you would see ladies in the store pulling a cart and pushing a cart full of toilet paper. There's no way you're going to go through all that toilet paper in a year. That was the mentality that surrounded us. That was what was developed. It says in verse 29 that Malachites dwell in the land of Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the edge of the Jordan. You know what they're saying? There's a whole lot of people in this promised land. There's too many people in this promised land. I don't think that this is the place where we can go. The land is already full. We must, we must never have a scarcity mentality if God is blessing us. There's no reason. There's enough to go around. He owns it all. So why do we need to think that it's not enough? You know, I grew up with a mentality that God's blessings were limited. And when I would see my friends and they'd be getting these jobs as pastors at big churches and they were going and doing this and doing that. And there was a time where I kind of felt like I was behind. I'd see my friends doing great things for the Lord. And I was like, man, I'm being faithful and I want to do great things too. And why am I not getting the opportunity? And I kind of 
to be honest with you, was jealous. I was jealous. And I remember talking to a pastor and he said, I said, you know, when is it going to be my turn? When am I going to be able to do something great? When am I going to be able to work the way I feel God wants me to work? Here I am in the States visiting churches Asking them to help me go back to the Dominican Republic to do what God has called me to. Why does it have to be so difficult? Finances were terrible. Things were not well. Things were not easy. And it felt like we were swimming against the current for so long. I was like, I just want to do what God called us to do. This should be so much easier. And I got this mentality. And when I would see my friends prosper and I'd see them getting to the fields God had called them to, and I would see that they were building churches and they were training nationals and doing all these great, amazing things, I would actually get jealous. And the pastor said, Jonathan, you can't get jealous. He's like, if God is blessing those around you, you need to thank God that he's in your neighborhood. Amen. At least he's around. At least he's going door to door and he's helping and he's doing And it will be your time when it's his time. Amen? When it's his time. We must never have a scarcity mentality if God is blessing us. We are constantly losing our perspective of who he is. Amen? It's like one day we're so secure in our faith and we're so secure in everything God's doing. And we see him doing things around us and we see our kids doing great things. And we're just so happy and we're on cloud nine and nothing can go wrong. And then all of a sudden things don't go the same way. And we start losing focus on who he is and what he's doing. And we kind of just like lose control of the fact that he's in control. We forget who we serve. We forget who is behind us. We forget who's carrying us through. And we tend to forget and lose perspective of who he is. We get this mentality of it depends on us. It's all on us. Yesterday was a great day. Those of you that were there, there was a lot of you that were able to go and help. It was an amazing, great day. And just reflecting back on it last night, I was like, wow, this is the first time I've done activity this big where my family didn't have to sacrificially give. Man, the food was donated, was paid for. The gifts were brought by all kinds of different people. The candy was bought and brought by all kinds of different people. I was like, I cooked the food on the grill. I grilled it all, and I was able to do it in an hour because we have two huge grills over there. Me, Pastor Jorge, and Allenson. Where's Allenson? Is he outside? Yeah, he, we, us three, we cooked all the food and we put it in trays, sent it to the kitchen. And I was like, okay, great. Now I have to go manage the kitchen so they can get the job done. No, I didn't have to do anything. My wife, my mother-in-law, my aunt-in-law, um, who else? Heather was in there. Who else was in there? Janine? Huh? There were a bunch of you ladies in there, okay? If I missed your name, I'm sorry. And they had this assembly line going. And in 15, 20 minutes, they fed over 160 kids. Crazy. Never seen it in my life. And the great thing about it was I didn't have to do anything. And I was talking to someone from our church last night. And she was saying the same thing. She said, in the past, I've done these activities running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Because it's so much work and so much to orchestrate and so much to manage. And yesterday was so relaxing because when we were done, we were done. We all helped clean up. And tonight we have church, and I know the church will be clean and ready for services. And it was pretty stress-free for the most part. And I loved that. 
But sometimes we lose focus. We lose the perspective of who he is. Number three. Through this all, sometimes we fulfill our own self-defeating destinies. Have you ever heard that phrase, you're your own worst enemy? I know people like that. It's like if they were left up to their own device, they would constantly be in crashes because they're just their worst own enemy. And when you have a negative mentality, it seems like you crash so much more often. We fulfill our own self-defeating destinies. The one who says I can and the one who says I can't are both right. This has been a lot to me. The one that says I can and the one that says I can't are both right. Uh, Adeline, my daughter, no, yeah, Adeline, my daughter this morning, she says, I need you to help me because I can't pick up this two-gallon jug of water. I was like, yes, you can. Use your both. But use both hands. And she says, no, I can't. And I said, Adeline, you're American, not American. <laughs> so she got it with both hands, struggled with it, and she brought it in. But the one who says I can and the one who says I can't are both right. Because when you say I can't and you decide you're not going to, you fail. But a lot of times when you say I can and you put your heart to it and you work towards it, and you do get it done, you are right also. So we need to be the type of person that says, I can, because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. One of the hardest things for me to understand with people that get aggravated and frustrated with themselves, whether it be work, whether it be their spiritual life, whether it be having victory over uh, an addiction, whether whatever it may be, is with children, when they're small, we... Immediately after about eight, nine months, we start encouraging that baby to get up on its feet and start walking. And never in our mind, after they fall the first two or three times, say, this is way too dangerous. Let's just wrap it in bubble wrap and one day I'll figure it out. Do we? I mean, do we do that? No. We teach them, get up, try again. We take them by the hand. We help them up. We help them walk until we're ultimately letting go and letting them walk on their own. And we encourage and we shout and we laugh and we're happy about the process of that child learning how to walk. When they're learning how to talk, we spend eight, six, I don't know, it's been a while, six, eight months trying to get that kid to say mama, dada, papa, you know, all these crazy words. And then we spend 18 years trying to get them to shut up. But do we get discouraged in the beginning when they don't say it? My wife was just torn to pieces because all our kids said dada first. Well, they actually said like Mookie or Papa first, you know, is the milk that they wanted first, right? But, you know, that's just the way it is. And with that process, we accept the process. But when it comes to our own process and our own struggles and the ups and downs that we face, the falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up, we have a lack of patience through the process. Numbers 13.30 says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. This is a great verse. Caleb was a little bit too intense for my liking. 
I would have been like, whoa, Caleb. <laughs> okay, I'm on board with us going in because God promised it to us. But let's like take some time. Let's get a really good plan set in place before we just go out there and try to possess land. Caleb's like, no, 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 no. We can't wait one minute. It's harvest season. The fruits are ready. The vegetables are ready. Let's just go in and take the land. Verse 31, but the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are stronger than we. I can tell you as a pastor, I've experienced this a lot of times where it's like, you know, I'm positive and I know we can do it. And I know that God's going to provide and God's going to do amazing things. And I feel like I'm grabbing people by the hand or by the leg or whatever I can get my hands on. Right. And I'm just trying to pull them along to get accomplished what God's calling us to do. And Caleb's here and he's fighting 10 negative Nancys. I'm sorry if your name is Nancy, by the way. And he's just trying to pull these negative people along saying, we can do this. God has promised this land to us for so long. And we're here at the gates ready to receive it. And you're actually going to back down? You're actually going to go away? Ask for wisdom and seek it through those around you, right? But Caleb is surrounded by a lot of negative people. Caleb is surrounded by a lot of naysayers. Caleb is surrounded by a lot of people that doesn't believe in the dream. I said this yesterday. Teamwork makes the dream work. And, you know, I, I did one of those, not one, I did like seven evaluations, personality, leadership evaluations, all that kind of stuff, seven different types of assessments and everything. And actually, I did not come up as the visionary. I came up as a loving coach. That's what I came up as. Loving coach. That's a type of pastor I'm. But those of you that know Pastor Brad Wilkerson, he comes up as a visionary. He just like sees things and he just dreams like these big dreams and like this is what we're going to do. Pastor Brad, those of that you know him, he met in a school, a public school for eight years, stepped out on faith, built an $8 million building. So that's way too much money for me to wrap my head around. Went from 800 people to 3,000 overnight. Because God honored his vision and what God, he knew God was saying. I remember the first time Pastor Brad took me to see the property they were going to buy. I had been to the school. I had seen the city and everything. This is in Prosper, Texas. Those of you that are from Texas, Dallas area, might have heard of it, might not have, but it's a growing town. And I remember when we went out there the first time, I've told you guys this story. We're standing out there literally in the middle of a cow field. You look left, right, north, south, wherever you wanted to look, and all you saw was empty field, and all you could smell was cow manure. I kid you not. And he's saying, we're going to build our church here. And I'm saying to myself, well, I'm going to lose this support. Because they're not going to make it out here. If you go to Pastor Brad's church, which I don't think anyone here has had the privilege of doing this, going there yet. Janine's been. If you go out there, the church is completely surrounded by million-dollar homes. Completely all the way around it. Where one point there was nothing, now they're just completely blessed and surrounded by all this. 
to where right now, as I speak, Pastor Brad is preaching a message, which is probably the most important message of his life, where they just finished their building, what, less than two years ago? And they're already planning on building their next building that's going to cost them $16 million. And they're turning their current building into their youth and children ministry building, their wing. It's just vision and following God. And he seeks wisdom through positive people around him. They're saying, you can do this. I want to help you. I want to give you some good sound advice. I don't want you to go out there and do something crazy, but let's do this together. And that's who you have to have by yourself, by your side. So we're going to finish up because I don't want to leave this message for next week. Number four, we lose perspective when we, uh, and then when we lose perspective, we infect others with negativity. When you lose perspective on life, understand something. It's not just going to affect you. It's going to infect all the people around you that you desire to push your negativity on. Now, I, I thank God because I put up those boundaries, those walls, where I will only let it come to a certain point, and then that negativity, I cut it. Cut it in the root. I'm not going to let it affect my day. I'm not going to let it affect who I am. I'm not going to let it affect my effectivity on those around me because it's kind of like a domino effect. I want to stay positive. And when you lose perspective, you infect others around you with negativity. Verse 32 says, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying, this is what they said, the land through which we have gone as spies, and this land devours its inhabitants. That is some dark stuff right there. That's pretty dramatic. But we can't go there. The land is basically quicksand. We'll all de- we'll get- we're just going to get devoured. There's no way we can take over this place. The people whom we saw there are men of great stature. These guys are huge. They're all NBA basketball players. And we're just so tiny. We're small. We're all Filipinos. And we can't make it over here because we're too short. And they're so big. My mom's here, guys. By the way, she's Filipino. <laughs> they spread and brought up an evil report. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's deep, guys. Write that down. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Whatever you let your mind fester on, that's where you're going to move towards. If it's all the negativity in your life, everything that's going bad, you're going to be a negative person. You're going to dwell in your bitterness. You're going to dwell in that the world is caving in on you and you're not going to make it another day. If you decide to let your mind and your thoughts go in that strong direction, then you're going to lose. Be a Joshua or a Caleb for someone in need. Cut the lies and negativity that the enemy is putting in you. Just say, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to receive it. And, and here in the Dominican culture, it's funny because I have some charismatic friends, you know, like more Pentecostal type people. And, and they do this funny thing. They'll say like, no lo recibo. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to accept it. They'll even do this thing. No lo recibo. They stomp on it. I just killed it. It was a cockroach. It's dead. It's not going to happen. I got some Dominicans laughing in here because they know it's true. I think it's a little cockroach. Let me just smash this thing, give it a little good twist, and it's gone. It's, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to receive it. But I, I admire that mentality. I want to be that way. I want to see the negativity. I want to see the bad things and say, you know what? That might be like that, but I'm not going to accept that as part of my destiny. I'm going to fight as much as I can against it. 
I'm going to cut the lies and the, ne the negativity that the, that the enemy wants to put in my life. Last thing, number five, and we're finished. We see ourselves inadequate and unworthy to meet the challenges. When your perspective is lost, you lose yourself. You find yourself inadequate, unworthy to meet the challenges. And humbleness is great. We need to be humble. But at the same time, do you realize who you are? You are a son and daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if he tells you that you can do something, you can do it. Uh, you know, when my kids, I remember Mariah, she was in a tournament not too long ago, all boys. And she, there's only like two or three girls of 60 boys, 60 boys in her league. And there's like three or four girls total. And they were in this last game. It went to penalty shots. And I'm nervous. I'm nervous for my daughter. And I tell her, I said, you can do it. I know you can do it. In the back of my, my mind, I'm thinking, that goalie can do it too. So, you know, it's conflicting information, right? But I know that there is a percentage in you that is fully capable of getting this goal. Long story short, she gets up there. She doesn't think about how everything is resting on her, that she is the fourth of five kickers, and that the game is literally in her hands right now. She walks up to the ball, gives it a great kick, and makes the goal. She can do it. We can do it. And as her dad, she knows if I tell her, you can do it, I'm not telling her that because I'm trying to get her in a position to fail I'm trying to set her up men mentally for the victory that I know she can have. And that's how God is with us. God's not going to set you up to fail. If he's putting you in a position, it's because he wants you to have that victory. He's telling you you can do it. You just got to believe in it. We're not unworthy. We're not inadequate. We can meet the challenge. We don't need to project our insecurities. Verse 33 says, and when they saw the giants and the son of Anak, the sons of Anak, the Anakites, Anakin and Skywalker, no, which come from the giants, and in our eyes we were like grasshoppers, and so were we in their eyes. He's like, look, we compared ourselves to them, and we were like grasshoppers, and they knew we looked like grasshoppers. I and mean, we were so tiny in stature to them. I want to end with this last illustration of how our mentality, our perspective can actually mess us up really bad. A university painted this scar as a study. They painted this ugly scar on their students with the idea that they would go out into public and see how differently they were treated just because they had this ugly scar on their face. They put the makeup on. They got it all. Here, look at yourself in the mirror. Oh, man, that looks gruesome. That looks terrible. Yeah, let us touch it up a little bit and do this and that. They would go out, and then they'd come back in, fill out a form, and they would say how they were treated. Yeah, I felt like people were treating me differently, and they had pity on me. They felt bad for me. Oh, no, a lot of people shunned away from me because of, you know, they thought I was grotesque or it was ugly and everything. And they go through about 20 students that are constantly giving these same reports of pity or being treated differently because of the scar. And then they're confronted with a mirror 
where the mark was actually removed in the touch-up process, was cleaned off their faces, and they went out in public with this perspective of, everyone's going to treat me differently because I'm different. And at the end of the day, they came back. There was nothing different. What was different was their perspective on life, their perspective on what they expected people to do. And sometimes we dwell so much in those things that it doesn't allow us to experience what God wants us to have. If we would just change our way of thinking and have a better perspective, this year, 2023, can be whatever you want it to be. Amen? It could be a terrible year if you decide, no, just things are going, I hate my life, I hate my job, I hate where I live. If, if you're coming into the year, the year with those negative thoughts and stuff, it's going to be a terrible year for you. I've already determined on December 31st at 8 o'clock at night, right before I went to bed, I already decided that 2023 was going to be the best year I've ever had. It's kind of something that I've last couple of years decided every year. Is it hard? Yeah. Am I going to face difficulties? Yes. But I'm not going to let my perspective get lost in all of that. I'm going to have a positive attitude. I'm going to say, God, I'm going to do anything and everything you allow me to do. I'm going to keep a positive mentality of what you can do this year. And I'm going to see it through. And I'm going to leave the rest to you. But it's for me and who I am and what I could be. You got my 100%. That's what we need for this year. We need to change our perspective. We need to look at this year as being, setting aside all the faults, setting aside all the negativity. This year's going to be an amazing year. Let's change our perspective.